All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning again, everybody. Welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Thanks for joining us on another Wednesday episode. I don't even know what episode we're at, Tim. We got to be inching closer to 500 or something like that. We do so many episodes. We enjoy doing it. Hope you guys enjoy listening. Thanks for joining us. Tim, how you doing, my man? I'm good, I believe. I just did a quick search. I believe this will be 385. Look at us, 385. That's a lot of that's a lot of time. Five hundred. Let's let's not waste any more time, Tim. There's a series that's wrapped up. There's a series that's on the brink of wrapping up. There's ones that's tied two two, and another one that's on the brink of wrapping up. It, it, this second round has gone nothing like the first round at all, don't you think? It, you figure the first round there's going to be lopsided games just because it's the one versus eight two seven and so on and so forth. There's going to be easy series up and down. The, the conferences second round. That's where, you know, the iron sharpens iron. These are going to be eight great teams going at it. It's just going to be epic battles night in and night out overtime, double overtime, triple overtime games. It couldn't be further from the truth, Tim. Every series other than the aforementioned Rangers and Canes, which is tied two two, one team has a stranglehold on the series. One's over for Pete's sake. The bolts swept the Panthers unceremoniously the other day for nothing Florida Panthers go out with not even a whimper Tim they did play their best game in game four they still get beat they still lose not scoring many goals the most offensive team in NHL history they are over four goals a game everybody knows about the regular season accolades we get to the playoffs and it's a completely different team was this well, what happened to Florida this season? What, what should they have done differently? They, they go out, they get Sherratt, they get Giroux. Bobrovsky was not their problem in the playoffs. He played great, in my opinion, this series versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. He, he went save for save of Vasilevsky. He played absolutely out of, his, out, of his light, out of this world, lights out. Not the issue whatsoever. Is there anything that Florida could have done to change this outcome? Or is Tampa just that good? Uh, I think Tampa's that good. I mean, from an organizational perspective, you went out and you added arguably the best player at the deadline and a guy who was hungry for a cup. You added 
a really good shutdown defenseman, which we've seen be really effective for these cup winning teams the last couple of years. And you already had a loaded team. They made some great moves in the offseason. They they traded away their three first round picks in the last year, um, all in the in the name of going all in this year. And they looked not great in that series against Washington. And then they got swept by the the lightning. And so uh, you, you got to give credit to the ownership and the management. Like they, they went all in. They did everything. They, they did all the right things, I think. It's on the players. It's on, um, you know, some of the quote the quotes coming from uh, what's his name? Brunette just talked about not wanting it bad enough. The will wasn't there. There were little things that Tampa was doing that was outplaying and outwilling, outworking their guys. And, you know, this is not a good look given, you know, they had no first round picks for the, until 2025. And it almost feels like this could be the beginning of uh, an Oilers, a Leafs, uh, an Avalanche drought where we see these young players with high expectations falling short every year. It's only been a couple of years. We're not really in that in that range yet, but if it continues, this this could be the beginning of it. Yeah, and it makes it what makes it even worse in my mind is this was the perfect opportunity for them to beat Tampa Bay. Tampa just finished a seven game just battle with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like every one of those games for Tampa Bay was not easy. It it was a hard fought series. They're missing arguably their best player. Braden point is out of this series. Florida is coming in fresher. They get home ice advantage. Tampa Bay has no reason winning the first couple games of the series. And they come in and they just dominate every single game to a point where it wasn't even close. I feel like usually there's, well, you know, Florida was better that game. You know, there was a couple bad goals. No, every single game, I feel like Tampa was the better team. They outplayed Florida. And to your point, what their head coach, Andrew Burnett, is saying, it's very concerning to me. It, it, it raises a lot of red flags because, like you mentioned, this is our team. We're not getting any first rounders. We're, we don't have much room to make any big trades. This is us. You know, we're Verhage, we're Barkov, we're Huberdo, we're Duclair, we're Bennett. We got Bob for another couple of years at 10 Schmale Plus. This is our team. And we can't beat the defending Stanley Cup champions without their best player coming off a seven-game series. The goaltender's shaky from the first series. We can't get up for these games. Interstate rival. We, we can't get excited for these games. We're, we're not ready for these games. What, what else has to be, as a former player, as a player who has played in the playoffs, as much as people don't believe that I was a playoff, I did play in the playoffs. If you can't get up for a playoff game, there's something wrong with you. Uh, that's all. That, the end, end sentence. There's something wrong with you. There should be no reason why you're not motivated to play. And the only reason I can think that Florida wasn't ready for this series is because they had it too easy in the regular season. Maybe they just expected that their scoring ways would continue. Maybe they just assumed that, okay, we're used to getting five, six goals a game. We're used to being able to come back. It's going to happen. Someone else will do it. You know, it'll happen. It's, in the playoffs, you have to make your chances. You, you have to go out and, and do something. And I don't know, maybe I'm completely wrong, but it just seemed to me that Florida was just, they were just waiting, 
whereas Tampa was doing. And I know that's hard to quantify. That's hard to like grab hold of because it's just a thought. But just watching those games, Tampa was creating those chances. Florida was just sitting back and okay, well, oh, Tampa, their their defenseman might might bobble. We might go get a two on one. No, you pressure that guy. You saw Toronto do it. They they forced Tampa to turn over tons of pucks. And they were going the other way. They were pressuring Tampa. They were creating chances. They were in on the four check. Florida did nothing of that. They just expected Tampa to be slow and old and maybe an easier battle than the Washington Capitals were. And they got what what they reaped what they sowed. They were bad. The President's Trophy winning team, the best team in the regular season, to just roll over and die four straight. Ugh. It's ugly. And maybe the and maybe the problem's coaching. Who knows what Joel Quindle would have done in this situation? Maybe he bobbles the lines up a little bit, juggles the lines, excuse me. Maybe he pushes different buttons. I don't know. This is Kitty's first time as a head coach. He gets thrown in the regular season. He he struggled in the first round with Washington, which is with matchups and this and that. When they were their best player was hurt, they lost Tom Wilson. Florida should have walked through them. They were having goaltender issues. The the Capitals, they struggled with them. I don't know. Like I don't know what the problem is, but it, there's a huge problem in Florida, and I I don't want to keep going back to this, but. Just from an eye test, it didn't seem like Florida, I, I could be confident in them. There were times it was like, gosh, they came back, they beat Toronto, they, they did this and that, they, they played well versus Tampa near the end of the season. But there was always that something, you know what I mean? It's like it just doesn't, they don't seem like a Stanley Cup winner to me. They just don't have it. They don't have that forward, that defenseman, that goaltender, that guy who I can go, you're, you're the reason why you're going to win this Stanley Cup. They don't have a point. They don't even a Kalorn. I like a, these guys, a Palat, these guys who you can grab a hold of. Right now, you're seeing it in Edmonton with McDavid. Like, I can see why you could win a Stanley Cup. You're playing lights out right now. Uh, I get if you guys are winning the Stanley Cup, you're the reason why. I don't see it with Florida. I don't see one guy on this roster who I look at and go, oh, yeah. Yeah, I get it. I get why you're the Consmith winner. I get why you guys are carrying that cup around the ice. They don't have it. Huberto's great. Barkov is great. Verhegi's great. All these guys are great players. In my eyes, they don't have it. And that's and that's too bad. You know, not a lot of guys do. They don't have anybody who has it. Maybe Sam Bennett. I like a Sam Bennett, but I don't think he's talented enough to be in the same air as like a Kucherov. Kucherov has it. You know what I mean, Tim? I think Panarin has it. Yeah, I do. I like Sam Reinhardt too, but I think this this team is not going to get any better either. You know, like you can't do anything at the next three trade deadlines. Like all, if they're assuming they continue to have a good regular season, what are you going to do? Who are you going to sell to make your team better at the deadline? You don't have any first round picks, and I'm sure they don't want to keep shipping those off in the future. They have some contracts expiring this year. Daru's going to be gone. Chirot's going to be gone. Noah Chari's going to be gone. They got some younger players too. Like the core is mostly there, but. You're not going to get better than you were this year, and you're not going to get a better opportunity than they had this year, like you said, and they couldn't do it. So I, as good as this team will be, it's hard to believe that we'll see anything different in the next couple of years. Yeah, they're not going to win the Stanley Cup. No. It's a case of, yes, Florida is a great team. You have to be great when you average 4.4 game and you win the President's Trophy in the Eastern Conference, which is a very difficult conference to get wins. They're a great team. It just so happens that they're mirroring, they're, they're existing in the same time as the Tampa Bay Lightning. The same can be said for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The same can be said for a lot of teams in the East. It's just, it is matter of fact. 
like uh, the Bills for so many years, right? Oh, Just- my gosh. Don't even get me started. The Bills, they were existing. They should have won when they played the Giants. Norwood. Make a kick, man. Make one kick. The, yes, the Bills existed in a time when the Cowboys were juggernauts. The Giants had great teams, and they just could not get over that hump. But not this year. The Bills. Uh, little thing called Tom Brady and the Patriots, too, for about 20 now, years. Don't forget. Well, they weren't good enough like they were back in the 90s with Jim and like Thermal Thomas, Bruce Smith, Andre Reed, Steve Tasker. They had a great team, a great team. And they just couldn't get over that hump. One kick wide right. Any Buffalo Bills fan, it's just anytime you say wide right, there's two, there's two phrases in Buffalo that get people going. Wide right and in the crease. Those are the two. Brett Hall's toe was in the crease. No goal. Dallas Stars, it should have never been a thing. They reviewed every goal that whole season. Was his shoelace in the, in the crease? Was it a flock of hair, a lock of hair in the crease? No goal. All of a sudden, it's, it's game six overtime. Brett Hall gets a, a game winner. His toe was in the crease. It should have been a no goal, but the cameras are on the ice. The confettis are gone. Everybody's on the ice. Oh, we're not going to review this one. What a joke. Under Gary Bettman's watch, by the way. Terror should have never been a goal. Sabres would have won in overtime. Dominic Kashik would have won game seven, and it would have changed the whole trajectory of Buffalo history. I would have been, I might have gotten a parade because I would have been just a legend there after I went. We would have won a Stanley Cup. It would have been fantastic. Thank you, Gary Bettman, for ruining my life. I appreciate it. Just kidding. All right. So we, we've already knocked the Panthers' bolts one out of the out of the gate. That one's done. That, that's, that series is dead. Let's talk about another series that could potentially be done tonight. Avalanche Blues, Tim. <clears throat> now... I thought the Blues were going to give them a little bit more of a pushback in this series. I um, maybe I'm underselling the Colorado Avalanche all season all season long. I got a question for you: Have the Avalanche exercised the demons? Have they taken away any doubt on their team to you based on their first two series thus far? They played eight games. They're seven and one. Swept the Predators. Have dominated the St. Louis Blues in this series. They're up three to one. Have they quelled any questions that you had about them coming into this playoffs? Because we talked about it all, all, all season. Who cares what they do in the regular season? We said the same thing about Toronto. Doesn't matter. What matters is the playoffs. What matters is when they get to May, June. Those are the months that are going to matter. Toronto failed that test epically. Have, has Colorado passed that test, Tim? I wouldn't say quite yet. They they look good, and they're giving me a lot of confidence that they, they are going to, but they need to win a couple series, and I think I'd like to see them go to the Stanley Cup final before I'm ready to say, yeah, this team is – this is a different team. This is a serious step in the right progression in the right direction. So, But so far it's good because they're not only beating like the team that they should beat, like Nashville, but they're beating a team that I thought was going to give a much tougher series than we've seen so far in the Blues, and Colorado has just looked like to be on a different level. And they're doing it like – Kale McCarr isn't isn't carrying the team in this round the way that he has in the past. Nathan McKinnon isn't the only guy lighting up the score sheet. They're getting depth scoring up and down the lineup. They're looking really good. And one guy that I for sure has impressed me and just about everyone else is Nazem Kadri. Not just the way he played. He had a hat trick in game four, but it's the it's the discipline. It's the the willingness to just take it and and not retaliate and get the power play because you know those blues are going after him. Uh, we, you know, well, we can talk about that that play from Perron and and all the hatred he got after game. Was it three that he had the hat trick, or whatever it was, yeah. where he um, got all the hate, like the racist stuff in the comments. I don't know if you saw these things, but his wife posted some of the the messages they were getting. It's awful, and 
Nazem Kadri has a reputation for crossing the line and taking it too far and doing something stupid in the playoffs that that hurts his team, gets him suspended, whatever, and he's not doing it this year. So a lot of credit to him and and being quiet and and just producing on the ice and looks like a different player. And that's a really, really good thing for Colorado. Yeah, he's a huge part of this team. Absolutely. I'm watching the Perron play again. He's just he's such a dirtball. It's it's two two people at the height of their like they're both rats, Kadri and Perron, and they're both very skilled players. So the, they're they're two in the same. And Kadri's getting the better of this matchup. I mean, he's under Perron's skin. Oh, he cross checks him right in the neck. Yeah, it's such a greasy play. But he gets fined five thousand dollars. So it's all it's all good. Every everything's good. He gets five thousand dollars fine. Give me a break. It's such a joke. So going back to Kadri, he's he's one of those guys that I was talking about on Florida that they don't have. He's one of those guys. He brings it in the playoffs. He ups his level, good, bad, or otherwise. Sometimes he he crosses that line. We saw it the last few playoffs. He hits fall class series. He does it versus the Bruins when he's with the Leafs. He he, he crosses that line, but he, he ups his game in the playoffs. He gets under your skin. He finishes every check. He's in the middle of every scrum. And I, I do agree with you. He's learned. He's backing away when he when he needs to. He, he's sticking his nose out there. He's getting punched in the face. He's drawing a penalty. He's picking up a hat trick and just shoving it in St. Louis's face, which is unbelievable. Uh, what a response. You know you're going to be public enemy number one going into that rink after injuring Jordan Bennington. The heat he's getting from everywhere. He's got police officers stationed outside his room because of all the threats he's getting. St. Louis's coach, Barubi, almost just says, well, what are you going to do? It's hockey. Doesn't condemn or con- does, doesn't say anything to say, you know what, maybe not the racist threats, maybe not the death threats, but he doesn't say anything. He goes out there throws up a hat trick on the board and just says, shove it. I loved it. I love everything about it. And I, I played against Kadri. He's a guy you want to punch in the face when you play against him. He just does it. I, I Like when he was in Toronto, I was in Buffalo. We had epic battles. He's good at what he does. And he is he is playing lights out hockey right now with Landis Skog and Lykanen. What a pickup by Colorado, by the way. Arturi Lykanen. No one talks about this guy. He's been playing great hockey. He gets overshadowed by all of Colorado superstars, but he was a quiet pickup at the deadline. They go and get him. He rounds out that second line. Boy, oh boy, you bumper of Koski down to the third line. A pretty good, pretty good job by Joe Sackick on that one. But back to Kadri. He is the straw that stirs the drink with this team. And that's saying a lot when you when you're riding shotgun to Landeskog, who was an excellent captain. An excellent captain. So Colorado will finish out the series. I think the play was the Bennington injury. Hustle came in. He's looked shaky. He hasn't looked strong at all. Uh, it, it stinks when you're not at full power as a hockey team. St. Louis could potentially upset these guys or at least put a bigger scare into them. But they, without Hustle, you, you can't do it. Or without Bennington, excuse me, you can't do it. Hustle's been suspect. He's shaky. The whole team looks out of sorts at times. They're not the same team that they were in Minnesota. I don't think they're as confident. And that goes with just playing a team where you know when you go into this game, they played Minnesota thinking they could beat Minnesota, thinking that they were more talented, thinking that they could go out and win that game. Just by a five-on-five straight up, we're going to win this game. It's tough to do that versus Colorado, knowing that, okay, we need a couple breaks to beat Colorado. They are better than us top to bottom. They have a better goaltender. Their defense is better. Their offense is better. 
we need a break. We need, we need something to happen. And when you go in with that mentality, it's tough when you give up that first goal. It's like, oh, oh boy, here we go. Like, and players feel it and players know it. Where if it doesn't go your way, it doesn't go your way. We'll talk about the Edmonton Calgary series in a second. Once that first goal goes in, you're like, oh gosh, like we, uh, we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't give them that easy one. And you see it in St. Louis series. Once they go down, it's like, oh boy, here we go. Colorado's is a very good team. Very good team. Do you see them winning game five, Tim, to make it even a, a don't, 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 don't answer yet. But is there a chance that St. Louis even makes this a series? Because right now it, it's even the one game St. Louis won, Colorado vastly outplayed them. Yeah, it's it's hard to say that. I mean, you're down three to one. Make it a series. What does that mean? They win the next game, maybe. But no, I, I this is Colorado series, and I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But you talked about how kind of lame, for lack of a better word, the second round has been compared to the first round. I think the third round could be even worse. I think Colorado could roll over, assuming Edmonton wins. I think Tampa will roll over whoever comes out of the, the Hurricanes and Rangers. This could be four or five games each, and all of a sudden we've got, you know. The Stanley Cup Finals a week after the first, the third round starts. It's crazy. I said it last week, and I will say it again. The best series of the entire playoffs will be Tampa Bay versus Toronto. That's it. It was the best series, the most competitive, the most compelling. The highs were high. The lows were low. It was just incredible. It was an incredible series top to bottom. You will not have a series as good as that one. And I firmly believe that the second round, it, this is show, even the Rangers Kane series, it's tied 2 2. It hasn't been as exciting as Toronto, even though the first four or five games of the Toronto series were blowouts. It was still must watch hockey. This Kane's Rangers series is just, eh, it doesn't have the same players. It doesn't have the same people involved. It doesn't have the Matthews, the Myron. It's fun. Toronto, it's just, it's a sexy series. The Kane's. Rangers, uh, it doesn't have the same it factor. I don't know. I'm all about, you know, it factors. And you know what is an it factor for me? DoorDash. DoorDash has that it factor, Tim. And you know it does. You dirty dog, you. You know it does have that (laughs) it factor. And everybody should use DoorDash because if you want good food and you want it fast, DoorDash is where you got to go. Use our promo codes. Get you some Do-Re-Mi off. We're the only company that I know of that has this deal. It's unbelievable. And of all the companies in the world, we get the best deals for you listeners because we appreciate your support. So go to DoorDash. Use promo code GLOVESDD if you're in Canada. Use promo code GLOVESDDUS if you're in the USA. Get 25% off. But wait, there's more. Free delivery. It's a great deal. Save yourself some money. Get yourself some food, especially with inflation. This deal is great. It's it's almost better to do this and go to the grocery store, bring it home, cook using electric or gas. That's money, time. You could be out doing stuff with your family. You're just bettering your, your life and house. Just use DoorDash. Tell them we sent you. All right, Tim. Rangers Canes. I just mentioned it. It's tied 2-2. Hurricanes can't win a, a road game for the life of them. They played five road games, lost them all. Thank goodness they're the top seed in the East because Florida's out. So they won't have to, if they just win home games from here on out, they win the Stanley Cup. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. That's all they got to do. Can they do that? We'll see. Rangers won again at home. Four to one. The key to this game. Now here, going into this game, everybody thought retribution. Gerard Gallant, 
got on his soapbox after the game. We're going to get Ryan Reeves. If they want to play that game, we we got the guy. We got him sitting right over there. We're going to get him out there. If you want to play, we'll, we'll play that game. We got Ryan Reeves. Smoke and mirrors. Very smart play by Gerard Gallant. Everybody going into this game was all concerned. What's going to happen? What's the retribution? It'll be interesting. This We're going to go to New York. What's going to happen? Ryan Reeves has played great this whole time in New York. The Rangers have played smart. Carolina has done nothing. It's, 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 it's amazing the contrast between the two teams, home versus away. <clears throat> Carolina just doesn't have it for whatever reason, whether it was Boston, whether it was New York. I don't know what it is. The Rangers looked good. What did you take of this game? Because I know the key to this game, Tim, it, it was midway through the second period. It was an even game. Truba steps up and hits Max Domi for whatever reason. Who was the Carolina player who came across and went after him? What was his name? Oh, I don't remember, but it was, I mean, I don't have a problem with that necessarily. <laughs> don't because the, the hit looked really bad, especially like in real time. The first time you see it, you're like, oh, that's a targeting predatory hit from a guy who's got a reputation for it. And one of the, the smaller skilled players go stand up for your guy. Like I get that, but you're right. That turned the, that turned the tide of the entire game. You don't have a problem with that, really. You don't have a problem with him going across. His name was, it was uh, Lorenz. Lorenz, Going across, jumping Jacob Truba, putting your team in a big hole, penalty, even game. How do you not have a problem? You got to be smarter than that. You have to be smarter than that. How do you not have a problem with that? I mean, in principle, like I said, like the hit looked a lot worse when you see it in real time and then you, you go and stand up for your guy. But then all of a sudden they go in the power play because you because you got a penalty and they scored on that. And the Rangers own that game from that point on. Yeah, I have. If I've, I'm Rob Brindamore, I have a massive problem with that. It, it, you have to have some kind of discipline. You have to let the refs sort it out. I, I understand if it's a 3-1 game, if it's a 2-0 game, if you're losing, if you haven't been playing well. They've been playing okay to that point. They've been getting good chances. Shashirkin, we'll get to, that's a tough name to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I feel like not. sometimes when I talk, I have marbles <laughs> in my mouth. <laughs> so he's been playing good. Rant has been playing good. Why give the Rangers any any life, any chance to score? And they do. He jumps Truba. By the way, you're not a tough guy, Lorenz. You don't get in fights. This is not your area. Just let him go. Go over and give him a push. Say, oh, please don't do that again. It's playoff hockey. These little moments, they get amplified so much. In this little moment, this decision by Steven Lorenz to go over there and jump Truba, I don't think he intended to do it. Truba saw him. They tangled up. Truba drops his gloves. Next thing you know, you're in a fight. Lorenz is going to get the instigator because he came over to Truba. Anyways. He gets 17 minutes. They get the power play. The Rangers score in the power play, and that was it. one nothing game, balloons into a 4 nothing game. Rangers win, going back to Carolina for game five. It's just, it's funny how one little moment can just change the series. And we'll see what happens in Carolina. Let's see if they can regroup. Ranta didn't look that strong. Seems like the Rangers are targeting his glove side. Every goal, his glove's slow. His glove slow, whether it's mid-body, whether it's up high, he doesn't seem to react as fast as he should because they're, they're getting by him. But the Rangers maybe have figured something out. It was just like when who, – who kept getting blown by glove side? Was it Yari last yeah, year? or last the, year. Yeah, he just – like, let's shoot glove high. He can't, he can't stop the puck. It seems like the Rangers focused most of their shots 
Durant's glove side. And a lot of them were squeaking through or glancing off or this and that. So keep an eye on that. One thing that I noticed from the game, the best players for the Rangers, the best player, in my opinion. Yes, they have Panarin. They got Kreider. They got the guys on the back end, Fox, Schneider. They're good. Andrew Kopp has been the best player for the Rangers this playoffs. The guy's unbelievable. Uh, like, I, I, that, I can't. It's unbelievable. That pass he made for the Petrano goal was incredible. Oh, filthy. Yeah, and he's and he's he got a, he got a goal too, and he's looking really good. He does everything we talked about when they added him at the deadline. He can play any position. He does the little things well. You can put him in any situation. What a great pickup by them. You know, he, you're absolutely right. He he's filled in seamlessly with Panarin. He fits in perfectly. The the pass to Petrano was great. He just is. He's so good. He's so good. You expect him when you look at his stats, he's like, okay, well, he's got to have 18 points this playoff season already. Like they played 11 games. He's got to be filling that. Got 10 points, 11 games. Nothing to write home about. He had three points last game. But it seems like when the Rangers are going good, cops right in the middle of it. When the Rangers are going bad, you don't really notice cops. So maybe he can get a little more consistent there. But there's a reason he was so highly coveted from the Winnipeg Jets. People knew what you were getting. He's a veteran guy, he's got good size. And he just doesn't make that many mistakes. And he's got a tinted visor, which is so cool. Love that tinted visor. Just kidding. I hate the tinted visor, but he's been their best player throughout this playoffs. It would be nice if Panarin were more consistent when I'm watching the Rangers game. Yes, there are times and flashes when I see him I'm like, gosh, like why does he not do that every single shift? Not to the extent of a McDavid, but closer. McDavid, when he's on the ice every single time, he's dominating. I don't know how he's doing it. He's dominating every single time he's on the ice. But if Panarin can get more consistent, can be more dominant, more regularly, the Rangers have a very good chance of competing with the Tampa Bay Lightning if they move on. But right right now, they got to worry about the Canes. But let's let's move on. You you uh, dug up some interesting stats with the Hurricanes, Tim. Why don't you uh, enlighten our listeners? Yeah. Well, on top of not being able to – they look at they're two different teams, right, home versus away. This has been their issue all playoffs long. We saw that in the first round. We're seeing it here. But on top of that, kind of the story the last couple of years, going back to last year, was their inability – their offense just goes quiet in the, during the playoffs. You know, their goalie is, is, is okay. We're going to get there in a minute. The defense has played pretty well, but the offense just isn't scoring. The power play is not there. So last season, they were eliminated in five games by the Lightning, and they scored just six goals – uh, in their four losses and two zero, they were shut out in two of them. And so that is not good enough. And then fast forward to this year. Now we have lost two straight games in New York, scoring one goal in each, um, even though they're out shooting the other team. And so this is just, it's not good. It's, <laughs> and then, you know, even the, uh, they scored three, three goals and 96 shots against Shesterk in the past three games. They're getting shots on that. I don't know if it's a quality thing. I don't know. I mean, you got to give credit to Shesterkin, but the offense is just not finishing, and that's a problem that they're going to have. And if they lose, and it seems like they're going to, based on what we saw the last two days, this is going to be a big part of that. Um, You know, until otherwise proven, like you said, they're going to be fine if they can keep winning at home. And so far, it looks like they can, but this is not an offense that's going to carry you. You know, you defense and goaltending are more important to playoffs than maybe scoring, but you still got to score. You know, you still got to score. And then, you know, Ranta, like you said, just hasn't looked great. He's made some pretty good saves. He's kept them in the game here and there. But Chesterkin, 
you know, no surprise is a better goal. And he's making saves that Ranta isn't. He had that toe save last night across the crease that was just incredible. Oh. That Ranta Ranta's not making that save. So I think it's it's the offense going quiet, and I think it's the goaltender just getting exposed a little bit. Their power play has been struggling in this series also. I, I think they've only gotten one goal on the power play, maybe zero if, if I stand corrected. They they made a switch going into last night. They moved Nito Niederreiter into Tuevo Teravainen's spot to maybe inject a little more size in front of the net. Didn't work. Still went over on the power play. They don't have an elite goal scorer. I know Sebastian Ajo lit it up this regular season. He got 37 goals. I don't see him as an elite goal scorer. He's a perimeter player. He's got quick hands, but he, he's not a threat to me when it comes to goal scoring. I think their best goal scorer, just based on, okay, that guy's got a, he's got a heavy shot, is Svechnikov. I like Svechnikov. He drives to the net. If he gets going a little more, I would be more encouraged by Carolina, but I just, they don't have that goal scoring guy that I can just go, oh boy, we got to worry about him. The Rangers have Kreider. The Rangers have Zabinajad. And then at times Panarin, they have guys who I feel like are reliable goal scorers where the Carolina hurricanes. And this is my question. There was the same thing about the Florida Panthers for whatever reason. It's like, I just don't, I don't buy it yet. You guys, I don't know why I don't trust a Sebastian Ajo. I don't trust a Vincent Trocek. I don't trust the Tuevo Teravainen. I don't, maybe it's just the eye test, a smell test for whatever reason. I just, something doesn't sit well with me with the Carolina Hurricanes. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Call me crazy, but I can't see them ripping around with the Stanley Cup above their heads just yet. They got to get by the Rangers. They seem to have too much trouble. Like they they struggled with the Boston Bruins for Pete's sake. The Rangers had a harder out with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And now these two teams, I think you nailed it. I think Tampa Bay is going to roll these two teams and they're going to just walk into the Stanley Cup Finals, and they're just going to be waiting for Edmonton or Colorado once they get there. And I don't know. Tampa just looks so incredibly good. Moving back to Carolina, Freddie Anderson skating. What do you do if you're Rob Brindamore? Anti-Ranta struggle, rightfully so. Not not epically like a Markstrom, but he's been he hasn't been that great. If Freddie Anderson has a couple good days of practice, do you put him in for Game Five? A crucial game five. This is the best of three. Or do you go back to Ranta? I go back to Ranta. He's been excellent at home. And until, until he shows me otherwise, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll that out. But And then even if he wins, I might consider Freddie for game six just because he's been terrible on the road. And Freddie is the better goaltender. So I might. I think regardless of the outcome of game five, I'm, I'm thinking about Freddie for game six and seven. But I'm, I'm going back with it, Ranta for game five. I agree. I think you 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 go with the guy who's gotten you here so far, unless you're the Calgary Flames, and we'll get to them right now. The Calgary Flames last night. I I have a hard time watching this series. It's late. It's late. Don't get me wrong, but it, it, the Calgary Flames they seem to shoot themselves in the foot all the time, and it happened within the first minute last game. I said they should have started later, or if Markstrom struggles. You yank him right away. They should have yanked Markstrom right away after he made that terrible, terrible, terrible gaffe 35 seconds into the game. A very innocent-looking dump into their zone. Markstrom comes out to get it. That play happens a dozen times a game. For whatever reason, he decides to go to the hash marks. I don't know what he was doing. His defenseman's right there. Hoffman, Hoffman, however many call him, I don't know. 
just dump it to him right there. And he flubs it, goes to the Nuge. Nice little shot by Nuge. Sharp angle, elevates it. Markstrom's diving back. It's you're you're in the hole one nothing right away. And like I mentioned with the abs and the blues, as a Flames player, you see that right away and you're just like, oh my gosh, already? Already? Like we just start like already you're already playing bad. The first three games, you were terrible. Like, let's where is this Vesna Trophy candidate winner? Where is the guy with all these shutouts? Where is he this series? It's you get questions and you and you change the way you play. You're not as aggressive. You're always hustling back super hard. Maybe you're not taking chances like you would if you're Gaudreau or Kachuk or Mangiapani or Lindholm. It affects the way you play your game. And I think you saw that. They go down 2 nothing. They go down 3 nothing. Mind you, all of these goals, a deflection, Kane's goal, I get it. He should still save it. He should still save the The deflection happened far enough out, and it was at an angle where he should be squared to the shooter. It goes short side over his glove. He shall, still should be able to react, in my mind, to save that puck. I know Zadorov's diving and gets a stick on it, but you got to save it. You have to save that shot. So it, it changes the way you think, and you can see it. After they got down 3 nothing. they go, well, we got nothing to lose now. We might as well go for it. 3-1, 3-2, 3-3, we're back in this game. Their mindset switched after they were down because they didn't care about playing defense anymore. Not as much as they did after that first goal by Markstrom where it's like, oh my gosh, you guys, they're looking around on the bench. I know how it is. I've been there. I've played with goalies who play the puck. I've played with goalies who live up, give up bad goals. You give up a bad goal and you look to the guy beside you and you go, oh my gosh, really? Uh, and you just like, you look at each other and like, all right, Looks like we got to, you know, buckle down on the back end. The forwards, you're yelling at each other. We got to get back. He's having a tough night. We got to help our goalie out. The Flames have been doing this every single game now. After game one, Markstrom has stunk. He stunk all season, all series, excuse me, not season. So that's what was happening in the first period and a half. Then Edmonton went up 3 nothing. Calgary took the reins off. They said, let's go for it. We got to get back in this game. 3-1, 3-2, 3-3. It's 3-3, Tim. We talked about this before the show, and I'm, I know I'm ripping through this game, but I, I feel like there's a couple key points in this game. This is the key point. It's 3-3. Edmonton's pressing. There's how many? How much time was up? Three and a half minutes? Yep. Put yourself in. You're, you're the D, Calgary defensive coach right now, Tim. Okay? You're behind the bench. Three and a half minutes left. Your two D-men are changing. You look down your bench. You go, okay, we dress 7D because Tanev's back in the lineup. Got a bad right shoulder. Can barely lift a stick. Who are we going to put out there? I'm looking. I'm looking. Okay. I got a guy who's played 14 minutes. I got a guy who's played 17 minutes. I got a guy who's played 20 minutes. Who's going to go out there? Should I put out Anderson, Hannafin, Kylington, Tanev, Zadorov, Goodbranson? Who are we going to put out there? Oh, Mark's Michael Stone. Michael Stone. He's played seven shifts all game, all of four and a half minutes. There's three and a half minutes left in the period. Maybe you should put him out, Tim. Who are you going to put out there, do you think? Because it's a crucial time in the game. It's 3-3. We're about to go into overtime. That guy's been sitting on the bench for probably a good period. If you have any brains in your head, do you put Michael Stone on the ice in that situation? No. <laughs> yeah, late in the game, tie game, playoffs, you shorten the bench. You don't expand it. Like everyone knows that. 
And so I, I'm, you're rolling out your top two pairs, basically. Maybe every, every second, third shift, you might throw out another pair out there. But Michael Stone is not that guy. And I, I don't know if it was a, maybe they were hoping for a different matchup or something, and, and they weren't planning on those guys being out there. But late in the game, tie game, you go with your best guys. I don't care how gassed they are. Unless you absolutely, absolutely have to, and they weren't not at that point. So just, yeah, bad decision there. Cost them the you game. had seven defensemen to choose from. Five. You had five guys to choose from. Five. And you picked Stone, who has been sitting, and Stone probably looked at him like, "Are you are you serious right now, <laughs> Coach? It's me. It's me, Mike. Are you sure? Yeah, it's like, uh, are you serious? You, I mean, he sends Kylington out with him, and the puck gets obviously dumped in his corner because that's what happens in situations like this. Stone wishes it was just an easy chip. You could go D to D, and away we go. But no, it gets dumped in his corner. He goes back. He's not fresh. He probably hasn't skated in 15, 20 minutes. He gets beat to the puck, goes behind the net, in the slot, rebound to Nuge, game winner, 4-3, game's over. Calgary loses because of that one decision by that coach. That one decision, Tim. We talked about it. it one decision can impact the whole series. Lorenz goes after Truba. That coach taps Stone and says, all right, give us one. We need one out of you. Maybe the other defensemen were gassed. Maybe Tanev's shoulder was hurt, and he's like, I can't do it this shift. Stone, you need to go out with Kylington, that, 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 that shift. Take Tanev's spot. I don't know what was going on on the bench. You cannot put him on the ice in that situation. That one decision saying, I got you, Stoney. You're good. Go out there and give us one shift. That's all we need from you. Dash one, four, three. Edmonton wins, three, one series. Good luck coming back if you're Calgary. Good luck. The way your goalie's playing, good luck. Game's over. Game's over. Series, we'll see. Let's move on to something else. We talked about how bad Markstrom looked. Mike Smith looked pretty good. Other than that one hiccup, that one. And here, okay, I, I have a theory to this. The jerseys for the Edmonton Oilers are so incredibly dark. Are they not? It's, it's a dark, 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 dark blue. It's very dark. The shot goes... You got Duncan Keith skating back to the exact spot where the puck goes in. He loses the puck when it goes up behind Duncan Keith. Once it's in the glass area, you can't see it because you're you're looking at stands. You're looking at seats. You can't track the puck when it's above the glass, the dasher. The puck comes back down. It's right in line where Duncan Keith is skating. And you see Smitty. He's got his hands in the air. He's like, I don't know where it is. And then all of a sudden it's in the net and he stands up. He's like, I don't know. And Dunks is right in line with the puck. It, that's exactly what happened. So maybe they should switch their jersey colors. I don't know. But that's exactly what happened. The puck went up behind Duncan on his back, and it came down right where Duncan was standing in front of Duncan. Smitty couldn't see it. I, I know both of these guys. I can call them by their names, Dunks and Smitty. And it's and it's 3-3. It's an unbelievable game that that happened. It, it's just funny. But, yes, other than that, full pot. Mike Smith looks out of this world. He looks like a great goaltender. Yeah, he does. And it, it was funny, that goal that he lets in a 150-foot goal. And the first thing he does is look around for someone to blame. He's like, wait, what? He's like, arms are up. Uh, very funny. But, yeah, he's played well. A couple ugly goals here and there. He did let them back into the game. And I think if he – if Mark still wasn't playing so poorly – we might be a little bit more critical of Smith. But he's played well enough to win these games, and he's up 3-1, to one, so you got to give him credit there. But – he still doesn't inspire a lot of confidence for me. Although I will but, say, 
just, just watching the guys come out of the tunnel, and I know you'll probably roll your eyes at this, but the watching the Oilers come out of the tunnel in the beginning of the game, they looked confident. There was a lot of swagger in the way that they walked, the way they're interacting with each other. Like, and I'm thinking, like, okay, two to one, you had a good game. Calgary's still the better team, right? Like, I is this real confidence? Is this like are they are they projecting a little bit? But they backed it up, like the Evanders of the world. Like we talk about adding that guy at the deadline or adding that guy to your team. Evander and Zach Hyman, they're both yeah. that guy. Like those are the Vander- guys you can trust. They're the Kalorns. They're the Cadres. Those are the guys that you can lean on in those situations. They're tough. They're physical. They can score, and they're looking really good right now. Evander's looking good. He he he's keeping up with McDavid. He's leading the rush at times. He he's the key to playing with those two guys is to just not get in their way, you know, keep up with them, give them the puck when they need it in the spot where they keep want to stick it on just, the ice. Yes. Get out of their way. And Evander's doing that. He's playing well. He's getting the chances. He's bearing the chances. So yeah, he's, oh, he should give Evander or uh, McDavid 10% of his contract next year. He's like I said, last show, he's making him millions and millions and millions of dollars. Everybody's talking about McDavid. Everybody drawing Seidel. Just set an NHL record in the playoffs, which I think is insane because we've had playoff runs where there are some high-scoring players. There's Wayne Gretzky's, Mario Lemieux's, Yarmor Yager's. These guys, Dreisaitl just set a record. What's the record, Tim? No one before Dreisaitl on the other night has ever had a game or a series with four consecutive goals, four consecutive three-point games. And like I said, that that really surprised me. Like it, that's impressive, but like. I didn't think it was that impressive that no one's done it before. I would have thought that happens all the time. But yeah. nope, Leon Dreisaitl set a record last night. Because you think if you're in the playoffs and one guy has gotten three games with three points in a row, you might want to put a guy on that guy. You know, might want to mark him. I was actually thinking about this last night before the game. In college, we had a player that was dominant. We were a very top-heavy team. We had one guy, Chris Connor. He was he's just a very good hockey player. Hobie Baker candidate was our, our, our whole offense. Teams would put a guy on him. They would shadow him all game, whether it was a penalty kill, whether it was the power play five on five, they devoted one guy to Chris Connor and they would skate around the ice next to Chris all game, no matter where Chris went. And they, that, that was that one guy's job. So Chris would go, even if his team when the, was in the offensive zone and Chris would go stand at the opposite team's blue line, that forward would follow Chris. So essentially it would be a four on four in our zone. And that guy would go everywhere he went. So what we did when we were in the offensive zone, Chris would go stand next to one of their players. And so he would be, Chris would shadow one of their guys and they would shadow Chris. So it'd be two guys on one guy. And it was, but that it worked. Chris didn't get much. If anything, I was thinking last night, why not do that to Connor McDavid? Why not? If you're Calgary, just say, you know what? I'm who's my fastest guy in Calgary who can keep up with Chris Connor. I'm going to say, okay, let's go yarn Kark. You're, you're quick. You go with McDavid, wherever he goes. Anytime he's on the ice, you change, you get out there as, as best as you can. We're at home. We can get the last change. Just go and just shadow him. And that's your job for the whole entire day, the whole entire night. I, I think that is the only way to stop this guy. They got five assists last night between the two of them, dry inside and McDavid. I just don't see, a reason why they can't slow these guys down. It, everyone thinks Sutter is this great coach. I think he's a great coach. I think he's failing the flames right now. I think he's failing him. He should have not played Markstrom. I think he's being a little too prideful with the way he plays the game. He, he's stuck in his ways. He hasn't adjusted very well. You have to play McDavid. You can't play the whole team. 
Edmonton's a one-line team right now. You have to adjust to that one line. I don't think he's doing it. And now they're down three to one. Calgary's a better team. Edmonton's got a better first line. And, and that's the way it is right now. And Edmonton is adjusting. You mentioned it too. We, we talk about the first line for Edmonton playing lights out. They're getting dozens and dozens of points and they're setting records, this and that. Where's Calgary's first line? What are Gaudreau's stats, Timmy? After getting nine goals in the first game, mind you, what, what are their stats? Do you think they would have a bunch of points? They've scored 15 goals in this series. Edmonton scored 20. What are their stats? Gaudreau has zero. And it's funny because we talked entering the series. It was like, okay, Edmonton's top heavy. We know that everyone's going to be talking about their, their top their top guys. Can Calgary shut them down? The answer was no, by the way. But no one talked about the other way around. Does, does uh, Edmonton's defense have what it takes to shut down the Kachuk's, the Gaudreau's, the Lindholm's? And Kachuk had a hat trick in that opening game. I don't think he scored since. Lindholm had a goal last night, but he hasn't had a great series offensively. And Johnny Gaudreau, he's had five assists, give him credit, but zero goals. And he's in pointless in two out of the four games. This is not good enough. The Calgary Flames are just not good enough right now. And I think no one's really talking about that that side of things. And I think that this wasn't what I would have anticipated when we started this series. Yeah, without a doubt. He, he struggled. And when you're playing an offensive team like Edmonton, unless you're doing what you did in the first game, good luck. I think it starts on the defensive side. I think Sutter has to adjust, which is going to be difficult going back to – well, they're going to go to Calgary. Then they have to go back to Edmonton when you get that last change – Woodcroft is he's shown he's not scared to throw McDavid out there for 25 minutes a game. He puts him out there all the time. Offensive zone faceoff, McDavid's going out there. Third or fourth line for Calgary, McDavid's going out there. He is going to throw that guy out there all day long. And it's working. Why not? He dominates every single time he's on the ice. So why not get that guy out there? <sighs> Again, just like the abs and the blues. Which are the teams that are down three to one? St. Louis or Calgary has a better chance of staging a comeback getting back into this series, pushing it to a game seven? Um, I'm going to say Calgary. I don't, I, don't, I don't see either of them doing it, but the big thing with St. Louis is just who so. I don't trust them. So, but like, He's playing better than Markstrom. Playing, numbers. I know. I know. But, yeah, I don't see either of them coming back. Markstrom has not cracked 900 save percentage this whole series. Every single game he's been sub 900, almost tickling 700 range every single game. He's been absolutely terrible. I think last game he was 850 or 860, and that was like a good game for him. I don't see any hope for this unless they get Markstrom out of the net. You can't start him again. You have. He's going to. You can't. He was 840 last game. 840, 25 shots, 21 goals against. If, but they are. I would have pulled him after the first down three, nothing, and especially that, that ugly goal. Pull him. Tim, I would have pulled him after that goal. <laughs> I would have started them. I would have pulled it. Well, I would have not. No, not. I wouldn't have started them after that first goal. You know, your goalie's not mentally into it. And if he is in it, he's not in a good spot. He's got to go. 20 he's seconds. got to go. Yeah. 20 seconds into the game. I'm sorry. It's time to go. You, you messed up the first shot. You even fa- it wasn't even a shot. It wasn't even a shot. The first rim around the boards. You put us in a hole already. All right. So we're going to go to points bet now. It's a big one tonight. It's a big, big game. We got the blues and the avalanche. Abs close it out. We're back in Colorado. Is this is this series done? Are we going to put this baby to bed, Tim? I think we are. I like the Abs tonight. Like I said, I don't trust Huso. Abs are playing at home. They just they seem like a better team, and they've they've shown it every game. So yeah, I think I think Colorado closes it out. They're seven and one. They're they just, yeah they they're too good. 
Hussos sucks. <laughs> yeah, they're too good. Abs are going to win. And let's go to Thursday. We got a 2 2 matchup. Carolina's going home cooking. You're going to be there probably. You're a Carolina guy. Get that press pass. Who's going to win that game? Rangers? Momentum? Shashirskin? Looks good. Stopping all kinds of rubber. Who do we got? Which team are we going to see from the Hurricanes, Tim? I think Carolina wins. I don't think they lose three in a row. I just don't see that happening. And I think they're due for a bounce back game. They obviously play well at home. So, yeah, I like Carolina. I'm taking the Rangers in that one. I, I just – they can't continue this streak of home and away. I think the Rangers have the momentum. They looked good this past game. And it, it comes down to the goaltender. He is playing fantastic. He made some great saves the other night. I think the Rangers are going to take this one. And then later that night, Pacific Coast time, we got the Oilers and the Flames back home in Calgary. Can the Flames get back into the series? Who's going to win this game, Tim? I do like the Flames to come back there. I think they'll they'll bounce back. They'll make it a series. I got to think they will, right? What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I hope so. It wouldn't surprise me if McDavid gets seven points, though, and they win seven of <laughs> five. So uh, yeah. it, it all depends on if Markstrom plays and how if he does, which Markstrom are we getting? Because he, as he goes, the team goes, they've shown they can't slow McDavid down. So if he can somehow show up and put a decent game together and save the pucks that he should save, the, the Flames will have a good chance. Because they are – Toffoli needs to pick it up. They, they, they need to be better. They need to be a better team. So I'm going to take the Flames. I do think this series goes to seven. I, I hope. I hope they can make a series up. Because we'll wake up Friday morning and there will be one series left. Rangers-Hurricanes. Everybody else will be sitting on their hands. The West Coast, they'll be starting already. And like you said, in a week and a half, we'll be in the Stanley Cup Finals because that third round is going to be just a cakewalk for a couple of teams. So, I don't know. Make it a series, Flames. Let's go. Come on. I'm taking the Flames. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you Friday. Hopefully, we'll have a couple games to talk about. If not, it's just going to be talking about Tim's haircuts. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But anyways, have a good hump day. and We'll catch you on Friday. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.